The Zaddy Zone, welcome to the Zaddy Zone, Zaddy Zone, welcome to the Zaddy Zone. Ooh. Hey, it's Zaddy. Sometimes when I'm tired and I have to do things, I think to myself, I can't wait to die so I can just sleep forever. Well, the good news is you don't have to die to sleep great. Thanks to Qualia Night. How do you guys feel about that segue? It, I, it did feel a bit funny for me, but I feel like it's clever. Anyway, Qualia Night combines magnesium, reishi, mushroom, ashwagandha, hawthorn, saffron, and my personal favorite, L-theanine. There's 20 other research-backed ingredients in one serving for maximum support of your sleep cycle. So you can wake up feeling refreshed, recharged, and feel like your sleep has actually done something. You know when you get a great night's sleep and you wake up and you feel like a better version of yourself? Well, Qualia Night can help you do that. Go to neurohacker.com. That's N-E-U-R-O-H-A-C-K-E-R.com. And enter the code Zaddy at checkout for 15% off. You're a better you when you sleep well. Zaddy. XOXO. I am so excited to be talking to Julie McFadden today. She is a registered nurse from Los Angeles, California. She was an ICU nurse for nine years and then a hospice nurse for the last six years. Julie has been using her expertise and knowledge to educate her 8,000 plus, no, 800,000 plus TikTok followers about death. Julie, how are you? I am well, Luke. Thank you so much for having me. I love this. Of course. You're in scrubs, so you've just got home from work. I did, yes. I actually am a real nurse, <laughs> besides a TikTok nurse. Yes. I actually am a nurse, yes. Is there such a thing as just social media nurses? I feel like during the Vax debate, everyone was a nurse. Like everyone who was questioning the vaccine was a nurse. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I know. Tell me about it. Yeah, I think... I mean, I hope any social media nurse was at least at one time a nurse <laughs> right. in their life, hopefully. Fingers crossed. But you do a masterful job at being a, 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 a social media nurse. You're very convincing. I really believe that you're an actual nurse. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I forgot. I also am in Los Angeles, so I could be an actor. No one will ever know. Well, the hair, your your hair is very vavoom. Like it's... <laughs> It's fantastic. Like it's not typical nurse hair. And I can say that my mum was a nurse and it was whenever she was nursing, it was all over the place. Well, well, first off, you have great hair too, Luke. Thanks, Queen. Let's not, let's not um, get it twisted here. And we can thank my dad for this hair. I feel like it's all genetics. Oh, wow. And last thing, if I am like nursing, nursing, no one would ever see me like this. My hair would definitely be back and I wouldn't be wearing makeup. Got it. And is are you using mane and tail in that in that hair? No, I don't use anything. What do you mean? You don't? I don't even know what mane and tail is. What is that? It's for horses. It's for horses, but people use it. <laughs> I have no idea. No, yeah. I don't use that. Anyway, I'm glad that I could educate you. you. I, I don't use I don't use anything. <laughs> but I was just wondering, mane and tail. I'm glad I've educated you with something. Listen, I I, I want to get right into it because I have so much to ask you. Um, my first question. It's an easy one. Do you fear death? No. I say no with a caveat. No, I don't necessarily want to die anytime soon. I would love to like die a natural death when I'm elderly. Uh, that's how I'd like to die. But in general, I don't fear it. If I mm. were to get diagnosed with something terminal tomorrow, which could very well happen, I would definitely have like feelings of fear and sadness and anger. And I'd feel all of the things that everyone feels over and over again when that happens to them. So I still would have feelings of fear and sadness and anger and the things, but in general, no, I don't. Yeah. And why, why, why is it that you don't fear death? <sighs> Well, one, I've been around it a lot and um, it doesn't feel scary at all to me. And so I really understand it. I feel like we are meant to die. We're built to die. Um, we're all going to die. And in general, even before I was a hospice nurse, I um, even as a little girl, I felt connected to something bigger than just this. So I feel like I'm going to go someplace after I die that I've always been. Like I've always known about, like once I wake up there, if it's even like waking up there, I don't really know. I feel like uh, it'll feel like I'm home again. Oh, wow. That's, uh, there's so much to unpack there. I, so like, <laughs> yeah, you, you feel like you- <laughs> You're like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> there will be, no, that's, that's good. It's great. I, I feel like the reason that people want to hear from you in particular is like your feelings around death and then why you have those feelings around death because you are so intimate with death. For me, I've had very few deaths. Like, I, I don't understand death in a very intimate way. 
Um, I, there hasn't been a lot of death around me, so I'm very thankful for that. But at the same time, I do envy those who have been intimate with you, with it like you have. And you're in this position where you, you don't fear death and you feel like there's, a, there's an afterlife. You feel that. I do personally. I always like to make sure everyone understands that uh, that is a personal belief. And I understand that it's a belief. You know, I'm not on TikTok mm-hmm. or social media of any kind to try to convince people that there is an afterlife. I really just want to educate about death and dying and help decrease the fear just through knowledge. Mm. Um, but personally, just because people ask, because I'm talking about death and dying all the time, I do personally believe in that. Um, not tied to any religion or anything. So, yeah, I do believe there's an afterlife. And no, I never want to try to. I'm not. My purpose here is not to convince anyone to believe that as well. Got it. I want to talk about some of the phenomena that surrounds death. One of your videos, which went viral, was about the rally. What is the rally? So the rally is something that um, happens in about one third of all of our uh, palliative care and hospice patients. I'm sure it happens in ICU patients as well, but um, which I used to work in the ICU for many years, but we didn't talk about this. Uh, but the rally is something that uh, is like a surge of energy. It's actually called terminal lucidity is like the real name for it. And what it looks like is someone looks like they're getting close to actively dying, which means they're very close to death, a few hours to a few days. And then suddenly they have this like burst of energy. They can be walking and talking and suddenly hungry again, suddenly acting like their old selves, like able to laugh and joke and, and kind of like they're getting better. The, the caveat is like they usually quickly die after. That's how you know it's the rally. It's like they have this surge. It lasts for like a few hours to maybe a few days max, and then they die. Um, and we don't know why it happens, but it happens to at least a third of our patients. So we try to educate before it happens so people understand what's going on um, and they can kind of uh, relish in this uh, rally. Um, yeah. And they don't get heartbroken. I'm, so, I'm, I'm sure a few, a few people are yeah. uh, kind of almost feeling like, oh, my person is back and they're feeling, but they're healthy now. We can leave. Yeah. yeah. That's why I always want to edge. I try to educate before it happens. It's just saying it might not happen. It might happen because when it's happening, right. Cause I'll see it as a healthcare worker. Like, Oh man, this is probably the, this is probably the rally. This is probably the surge. And you hate to be the person being like, I know you're really excited about your loved one feeling doing so well today, but here's the bad news. Like, so, I mean, obviously I, I try to say it. I definitely always say it. If I haven't already educated, I will tell them because I don't want them to be like, uh, just completely shocked and devastated once they die soon after. Yeah. Uh, but it is diff- more difficult to educate in the moment because it's like you're the bearer of bad news, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. So tell me the difference between somebody who's who's terminally unwell, getting a little bit better, and um, the rally. What is the difference between those two things? Is it like they're unfathomably better? It's almost a bit too magical that you're like, that's the rally. That's how you know it's the rally. Yep. Yeah, it's very out of character, uh, not out of character for who they are, but out of character for what they've been showing you. So it's usually pretty extreme. And I mean, I guess it doesn't technically have to be, but it usually is. It's usually like they are suddenly like bright eyed, hungry, thirsty, walking, talking, laughing. That's a huge indicator that they will die soon. Yeah. Um, and, and it usually lasts short. So if it's someone who says like, oh, my mom had the rally for two months, that's not the rally. <laughs> that's like getting, uh, that's like the, cause you're going to have an up and down of disease, mm. right? So that's not the rally. If it's like up and down and lasts for a few weeks, that's not it. This is like extreme and down. Got it. Got it. I want to talk about the other phenomena that yeah. you've mentioned. And this, this video also went viral of yours, um, in regards to people when they're on the path to death, when they're close to death, seeing relatives, old friends who've passed, pets, past pets that have died, seeing them as if they're in the room and even talking to them. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. This is, when I first started doing TikTok, these were the few things that I knew I had to talk about. Because let me, again, let me preface that this is not me trying to sugarcoat the dying process and make people believe that there's an afterlife. Like that is not my intention. My Mm. intention is to really help people understand that this is not just me. Any healthcare worker that works at end of life would tell you this. It's in, it's in educational books. Like we teach people this because 
We don't know why it happens and we're not claiming to know, but it is a sign of death and dying. Like usually about a month before someone's dying. So if someone tells me my, you know, so-and-so was speaking to their parents, but their parents were dead and they were saying, you know, we don't know what's going on. We think they're hallucinating. That is my cue as a hospice nurse that this person is probably about a month out until they die. Usually, not all the time, but most of the time. So it's actually a sign of death and dying. And it happens in definitely over 50% of our patients that they will be seeing dead relatives, dead loved ones, friends, pets. Um, They're usually very lucid and clear. It's usually not um, confusing or they're not agitated. And it's called visioning. And we don't know what the heck it is, but it happens a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Yeah, so you mentioned that they're not confused in any way. Uh, they're they're refer- they're really talking to somebody, and you almost feel like you're in the middle of a conversation when you're watching them do it. Is that right? Yes, sometimes. Yes, because well, they will a lot of times be private about it too. So a lot of times, my patients who are fully alert and oriented will come to me like in a whisper and be like, "Hey, <laughs> I don't know what's happening here, but my parents came to me last night at bedside. Like it was, you know, like." They were telling me they were coming to get me. I feel really happy. I don't feel scared anymore. That's happened to me as a hospice nurse numerous times where the patient kind of confides in me because they're afraid to tell people what they're seeing. Um, So it can be like that. It can be, sometimes they can be confused baseline. Like they can be confused um, at baseline. And they're just sort of talking to the person who's actually in the room and then Next thing you know, talking to someone who's not in the room and then back to the person who is in the room. So the big caveat is that they're not agitated by it because with delirium, anything with like delirium, ICU psychosis, anything with medication, there's usually an agitation that's involved in it. Mm. And um, so this is like very clear, not agitated, happy, comforted. So it's a difference. Which would be fascinating because if you're thinking about should my, you know, my parents are alive, but let's just say when I die at the ripe old age of 120, which is, you know, mm-hmm. probably when it's going to, uh, is, is my parents coming to my bedside? It would be heavily emotional, maybe a little bit confusing. <laughs> maybe we would argue or, you know, bring up past grievances, but you're saying that that isn't the case at all. No. Well, it can be emotional. Mm. Uh, it's usually like, a, uh, if it is emotional, it's more of a like, oh my gosh, like, where have you been? Or why are you here? Or uh, so it can be emotional. I would say like, I get a lot of um, people saying like dead relatives, like I don't want to see my parents, you know, or I don't <laughs> yeah. want to see my whoever. So it's usually people they want to see. Yeah. So if you didn't, if you weren't close to like Uncle Joe, like Uncle Joe probably won't come see you. But again, this is like a mystery. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I just know what people tell me. Yeah, it seems fascinating to me that, you know, your shitty auntie <laughs> wouldn't turn up and you're just like, could you just leave? <laughs> like, you know, but the good ones seem to turn up. Yeah. If I told you once before. Yeah, the good ones seem to turn up. It's people that uh, that's want uh, to uh, I've never seen anyone not see something like Incredible. See someone who they didn't I, want to see. I think that's absolutely fascinating. And well, it, it gives me the feeling that it gives me the feeling like that if this is a process that happens when you are, if this is something that happens when you are dying, that it's a peaceful thing that we can all be a bit calm about, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, that's why I'm on TikTok. I'm, I'm a huge advocate for normalizing talking about death and like what we want to experience and how we want to do it. If we were lucky enough. And I think it is like lucky enough to be able to choose that because not everyone can People die in car accidents and don't know they're going to die. Right. But uh, I feel like that's the whole reason why I've come to TikTok to help um, not be such a taboo to discuss. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And it kind of reminds me of when I was about to become a father for the first time, I did a couple of courses that was just the men. They brought like the, the, the men into a room and they go, this is how you can best support your missus as she has a baby. And so much of it was like, you have been taught giving birth is like feet up in the stirrups, screaming and blood everywhere. And that actually isn't the ideal birth. The ideal birth is like, it, it can take two hours, it can take 24 hours, but it's like, 
breathing, loving each other, playing good music, dimming the lights, you know, bouncing on a ball, massaging her, kissing her. It's actually like much more of a peaceful thing than the one that we've been taught. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about in regards to death, isn't it? That's a really good example. Yes, 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 yes. And the birthing, the actual birthing process, I always associate that with dying as well. Because like the woman's body, for the most part, does things that to help her have a baby and a birth another human. And I feel, and not I feel like, I know this is fact, our bodies are biologically built to die as well. And they will do things the body will do things naturally to help us die and help us have a more peaceful death. If we allow that to happen, which in most cases our medical system doesn't. So uh, we get, we don't get to see that. But me as a hospice nurse who like only sees natural deaths, I, I have witnessed over and over and over again, Luke, this is why I've come to tell everybody this, that like mm-hmm. our bodies will take care of ourselves. It is crazy. And I was an ICU nurse for nine years who saw the opposite of that. Um, so that was a long winded. Yes. Mm. It's a lot like what you're discussing with birth. Now I love it because it's almost, you're almost saying to the people who are in a hospice and all their family members come in and try and enjoy yourself and not be like, I don't know what, what would, okay. So this is a great question. What, what are ways that we can accommodate our body's natural path to death? There's not a lot of doing. Uh, I always say, ask yourself. So if the person can ask themselves, I would just say to me, like, listen to your body, your body will tell you what it wants, which is sleep or being awake (laughs) or hungry or not hungry. Cause most of the time people who are on the death and dying journey will not be hungry and not be thirsty, but everyone around them, And themselves are just trained. I have to eat. I have to eat. I have to drink. I have to get up. I can't this. I can't that. No. Listen to what your body wants, which is usually nothing. And sleep. So just listen to your body and do that. Mm. And then people around you listen to what they say. And if they can't tell you, you, you listen to their body. And I always say, ask yourself the question, are they clean? Are they safe? And are they comfortable? And if they are, you're good. And then you just do all the things that you would normally do. Like I love the office, play the office in my room 24 seven. If I'm lying in a bed, dying (laughs) and unconscious, like I want the office on repeat over and over and over again. Other people might want to listen to Frank Sinatra or like hear people in the background, like just keep going about, about your day and do everything you want to do. As long as you're clean, safe and comfortable. I love that. And I wanted to talk about those phenomena that you mentioned, the rallying, the seeing of past relatives, et cetera. Um, they do mention that in, in educational materials for nurses. Is that true? Yes. Well, the things, so uh, sadly, I feel like hospice and death and dying is really skipped over in education for most healthcare workers. And I re- honestly, it's been a long time, so maybe not Uh, maybe not fully skipped over, but enough that I don't remember a single thing I ever learned in nursing school about death and dying. So it definitely was either breezed over or like, you know, a a page or two out of a book. So no, that's not where I learned it. I learned it like on the job with materials that we give our families. I read it because I was a new hospice nurse and then I just would get to see it from my own eyes. So we as healthcare workers who work in this field have educational books that we, um, read and know, and then give to our families to educate them as well. Okay. Got it. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some questions from my followers. Uh, I have many questions from my followers. So let's just start here. Have any of your patients made crazy confessions before passing? I wish. <laughs> no, I want, I want that. Yeah. So I can tell everybody. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I haven't. I haven't. I mm. wish I had like the good tea. No one, no one. Ah. And I've seen hundreds of people die. No one has confessed anything to me. That's such a shame. We should write. I, I that's like, we should make a petition that if you're, if you're dying in a hospice, you have to spill the tea about your life, queen. You have to. You can just make shit up. Something. Right. Just keep know. the nurses. Keep the nurses yeah. happy. Yeah. 
Yeah. So no, sorry, sorry, guys. That's, that's a that's a shame. Um, do people tend to get religious before passing? No, I would not say that. I think um, I guess every once in a while, uh, I wouldn't say religious, but I would say people will say like I definitely had people who would say to me, "I didn't believe in anything." before this. And now I do, I don't know what it is, but it's something usually because of some kind of experience they had with dreaming of a, of a relative or a loved one or seeing a loved one and, or seeing a angel or something. Right. So every once in a while I'd hear people like that, tell me stories like that. But for the most part, people die how they lived. So if they were religious, they will be religious dying. If they weren't religious, they won't be religious dying. And I haven't seen much of a difference in how they die. Mm. Um, like it, that doesn't seem to matter that much. I do think some form of faith of any kind of faith, well, even if it's faith in trees or nature, you know, it doesn't have to be for religion. People seem to, um, have a little more like existential peace than those who don't, but in general, it seems to not matter. Yeah, that's interesting. So, so you rarely see anybody who's like, who hasn't been very religious in their life, kind of like grasping for the Bible, asking for the minister to come in. You don't really see that? No, I don't. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I wanted to say why I thought that, but I don't, I don't really know. I just know that from my experience, I, have, I haven't seen that. Um, if anything, most people, like we always have a chaplain that could come in and most people, even if they are religious, deny the chaplain, which I think is kind of sad. I think they hear the word chaplain and they automatically think we're trying to do something weird, <laughs> but it's just a support. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a support. Like a chaplain with a will. Like he's like, just sign it all over to me. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I get it. My father's a minister and people tend to well, like like friends who would come over for dinner for the first time were like, what's, what's going to happen? And it's like, he's just a person. <laughs> yeah. He's not going to. So I would tell people, oh, we're going to re- recite the Lord's Prayer <laughs> as soon as you enter to him to make sure that you know the Lord's Prayer. That's right. And just freak people out with that. And if you don't, you're out of here. Yeah, people people are intimidated by the chaplain, minister, priest, whatever. They're, they're intimidated by them naturally. Yep. I wanted to ask you, any great advice from people who are dying to the living? Yes. And it, there's the repeats, like the repeat things that people say are, don't take your health for granted. Mm. So people took their health for granted and now they're laying sick and they're saying like, I took for granted what it was like to walk. I took for granted not being in pain. Um, so don't take your health for granted. Don't work your life away, which I know is kind of cliche. Everyone says that, but that is what people who are dying say. You know, don't work your life away. Yeah. Do the things that you wanted to do. I mean, it all it's all kind of things we've heard before, but that is what people say. Don't work your life away. Don't take your health for granted and do what you want to do. Yeah. Any regrets? Like are there people who regret things? Most people regret working too much. Most people regret working too much, Mm. working their life away. They're 65. They waited till they were 65. They thought they were going to do all the things they wanted to do after they stopped working. Then at 67, they have a terminal illness and now they're on hospice, you know, and now they're not going to do all the things. Yeah. And then how does that advice affect you? Um, Or has it? I feel like it already has. Yeah, I feel like it has. I feel like it has before I even had that advice. I don't know what the hell, like how, <laughs> I think I've, I, I don't at all try, I'm not trying to like toot my own horn, but like, I think I've always been, which is a whole, this is a probably a whole other podcast, nothing to do with hospice, but in general, I've always been a seeker and someone trying to make the most of life. And um, I've, I've always already been doing that. So it kind of just validates what I've been thinking, which is I'm not going to work my life away. Yeah. <laughs> and if I am, I'm going to do what I like. And, um, and, uh, I don't take my health for granted. I don't take life for granted for the most part. I mean, every once in a while you get stuck in your little monkey mind, but so yes and no, Yeah. but yes, it validates what I've been thinking kind of all along. What if I, well, I think I've heard advice. I think I've heard the things that people dying most often say, and it's like, I regret that I didn't do things. Like it's like there are things that I I didn't do which I wish I did rather than things that I did that I regret doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's the things I didn't do. That tends to be like it tends to be what I hear 
like a lot is like, go for it. Cause you regret the things that you didn't do. You won't regret the things that you did. Yeah. If you give it a shot, you won't regret it. Yeah. And like talk to the people, like a lot of people mm. too talk about families and now I think that's can be complicated, but I, there's definitely a lot about relationships too, like making up in relationships or saying you're sorry or call the people you haven't been calling. It seems to be a lot about like love, forgiveness, being with family, embracing life. Um, yeah, there's a theme there. Um, is there anything about the dying process that is funny? or makes you laugh, or still surprises you. Yes, people's personalities. People are so funny. People <laughs> are so funny. I had a, an elderly man the other day. Um, I can't remember why. Like I have to do a full body assessment when I go see people, because I see okay. people in their homes, because there's two types of ways you can do hospice. You can do hospice in a hospice home or a facility, which is what I don't do. Yep. Or you can be in your home. And your family takes care of you for the most part. And then I, as the nurse or whatever nurse is coming in to, uh, periodically to check on you. So I was doing a head to toe assessment and I must've been, he might've had like prostate cancer or something where I had to like, look at his penis. If I can say these words, you can on your podcast. We've okay. said words. <laughs> okay. And I just basically was like, is it okay? I'm going to pull down the blanket and like check you out head to toe. And he goes, honey, get the magnifying glass. And I was like, what? And he was like, so you can see it. And I was like, oh my God. He's like a 99 year old man making a I, dick joke. I love it. <laughs> like, but it's so, so great. People do that stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think it's freaking hilarious. I love that. I love it. I love it. I can't get enough. Yeah. So do people who are dying, have you found that their sense of humor it soars, it sings. Are there people who lose their sense of humor as they're passing? Yes. So the main thing I've seen in people having a peaceful, there's a lot of things actually, but one of the main things that you have control over uh, is your, like this, your ability to accept what's happening. If you can, you don't have to like it, but if you can accept it and acknowledge it and talk about it, you seem to have a better attitude around it in general. And mm. I mean, if you didn't have, if you didn't have a sense of humor growing, like living, you're not going to have one dying either. You're not going to suddenly get one usually, but people who tend to be able to accept what's happening and talk about it will have like a better life and a more peaceful death. And people who don't, don't a lot of, and I hate, I don't want to feel like I'm like blaming people, you know, it's, it's her, it's awful. It can be really sad. There's a lot of emotions around it. Mm. I found that like people who can't be humorous or at least can't accept what's going on usually have a much, much harder time in the whole process. Did that answer the question? I don't know if I did, but. Oh, the, the sense of humor. No, but I like what you said. Cause it was like, it was like, it's about if, if you're accepting what's happening and you're not fighting it, yeah, fighting the process, then you can, you get to enjoy it and you get to maybe like have some fun because you know, the thing is that people always say, Oh, you're going to die. So it's like, so there's a negative to that where it's like, oh no, you're going to die. And the other, you're going to die is the positive <laughs> of like, get out there and live. Oh, yeah. And so people's final days, it's like, it must be like that, especially for the relatives who are like trying to deal with it in their own, their own way, or they would want them to die. They want them to eat. They want them yes. to, you know, drink water and all that. They're trying to control the, the, the last few days yes. when they should really just accept what's going on. Yes. Same with the people, which again, easy for me to say, right? Mm. I'm not the one doing it, but from what I've witnessed, people who are the patients and the families who are able to accept and acknowledge and just sort of let go. Yeah. The better it usually goes. Now, what, what kind of made you attracted to this mm -hmm. kind of work? You were in the ICU and then you ended, end up in a hospice. So what was that change? What inspired it? Yeah. Working in the ICU for nine years. I was in the ICU and I had a whole trajectory of what I thought my life was going to be. I was going to go back to school. It was all about like medicine, medicine, medicine. And then the more I did that, uh, especially in, in, in America, I feel like it is different in other countries, but in America, I was like, I don't like how we're doing this. I don't like this no death, no matter what we have to do everything. Let's never talk about end of life goals. Let's, you know, it just seemed backwards. It just seemed backwards. And I just thought if we spoke to these families and this, and these patients, um, candidly earlier in their disease process, 
their outcome might have been different. And I don't mean death. They were going to die either way, but at least they would be home dying peacefully instead of in a hospital bed, not really fully understanding what's happening, hooked to machines or families having to make these rough decisions. It was just, it wasn't all horrible. Like nothing, obviously our healthcare system isn't all horrible, but in general, we are really missing this whole idea of like death. Like it's like, don't die no matter what. And that's just, not, I just, it just causes so much suffering. So it led me down this path right. of like, what else can I do? Where else is this? Where else, how else can people do this? And hospice just seemed like the next, the next logical thing for me. That's, int- it's amazing. I've never heard that before that this, that the healthcare system is, is so against death. Well, because the death's like the worst possible thing that could happen to you. I mean, we all think that like death's the worst possible thing that could happen to you. Um, and that the healthcare system is fighting against death to the degree that they're actually causing your life to be a complete misery of coming in to do, you know, to do this exam, to do, to do this test, to do, to do this and this and this, that ends up making your body connected to wires and machines and like, and that's how you'll live out your final days rather than, but what's the opposite of that? Like, how can it be not that? Do you know what I mean? Because death seems like a good thing to fight against because we want to live on as long as we can. That's a good question. So I don't have it all figured out, but I do have something. So I do feel like there are specific times when I get it, like when I get the whole fight. There are, so there are certain times where like what I think wouldn't really fit. Right. But I think we take that to an extreme (laughs) to like every single person. And I don't think that's fair, even though it sounds what I'm saying sounds unfair. But I actually think how we do it uh, it is unfair. Like if someone's 88 and has pancreatic cancer, which. No, kind of no matter what, you will die. It's a terminal cancer. So like I feel like we. There's just certain diseases and certain things that I feel like right from the get-go, we should have way more realistic talks to the patient and the family about what's really going to happen. Like really, because I don't, I think we lack that. We don't really give them a big description. We just sort of go right to, and here's how we're going to try to fix it. And everyone just goes, oh, okay. Cause they don't know any better. Right. Where to me, I feel like we really should start giving them like the real outcomes, which is you're still going to die. This sounds so horrific. No. I know. Like, I don't know how to say it in a nicer way, but it's like, I really feel like sometimes it needs to be said like this. Like you're still going to die. Do you want to die at home peacefully, gradually? Or do you want to die in a hospital bed, not knowing what's happening? Cause no one's really telling you people fixating on like small little numbers because no one knows how to say you're dying. It just. And I know that because I've seen it. The, I've seen it the other way for nine years. Like we just, yeah. I mean, but I think what you're, I think what you're saying is particularly for people who are of late, are like in their seventies and eighties, nineties. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, age comes into play for sure. Yeah. Disease comes into play for sure. Right. Yeah, and there are certain young diseases where, like, young people get specific cancers and stuff that. Those are really hard. Like that is really tough. Like, I don't know. I don't have all the answers, you know, but I do know that. How about this? I don't have all the answers, but I know that hospice is really looked at as like a bad thing and a last resort. And, oh, God, we have to go there. And I think we really need to shift our mindset, even as healthcare workers, uh, as doctors, as oncologists, as ICU nurses, because I know when I was an ICU nurse, I wasn't thinking about hospice the way I think now. Um, it, it doesn't have to be like a bad word to me. Yeah, because you used to think, oh, well, well, hospice is we could we can't do anything more. Yeah, it's like we've death. Death is just uh, we failed. Yeah, the ho- like the, the hospital or the health system has failed, and so that person goes to hospice rather than. That person go home and die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, so, but the the other way of thinking about it is going. Oh, good, I get to go and die a death with dignity. Like that's how we should be thinking about it. And not necessarily die right away because there's tons of cancers that you might not qualify for treatment anymore, and you have a lot of pain and a lot of symptoms going on. And hospice can truly, and I've seen this with my own eyes many, many times, bring you to life. Because we aren't going to be scared about giving you a bunch of narcotics. 
<laughs> we're not, you know, we're not going to be scared about giving you tons of medications and tons of options to control those symptoms. And a lot of times the treatments that you're getting are making you sick. So now you come on hospice, you get all the pain medicine you need managed by a doctor, of course, and all the things you need to feel better. And people come to life and they will have a really good six months where they are pain free and feel better. Um, and that is, that is definitely, I would say like half of our patients, you know, it's not like the minority that happens a lot, especially with younger patients. I love this, this whole conversation, by the way, is making me feel, well, it's, it's completely changing my perspective on what I thought death was, but it's also making me feel like, and I'm so glad that the body was made to die. So the body can kind of go into this auto I'm dying and see you out in a nice way that isn't horrific. If it, if, if you end up dying in a bed, you know, surrounded by family, that sounds really nice now. And I never thought about it like that. And, and also not looking at death as a failure or like a, a horrible thing. Like it's just like, it's just what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And how to make sure that that's as good as it possibly can be. Yeah. Right. Right. And uh, there's so many, Yes. Well, no, I don't know. Yes, I agree with you. <laughs> yes. Do you do you believe in souls? I don't know. I don't know. I think the main thing I always say is I know I believe in something. I just don't know exactly what it is. So I don't have like a really concrete like this is what I believe and think. I don't know. I think I, I believe in like consciousness. Yeah. If that's the soul, I don't know. Um, sure. Well, I, I, somebody asked the question, if you believe in a soul, is it clear when it leaves the body? Like, oh, can you tell? Oh yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, during the actively dying phase, which is a few hours to a few days before death, that is when, again, I don't really know, but that's when it seems like it. Someone's fully unresponsive. Their eyes are partially open. Their mouth is open. They don't look like themselves anymore. They're breathing really funny. That to me is the body. That's it. The body. That's not the person that you love. Right. And that's why um, it's hard for people who love that person to see that because it looks bad. It looks like that doesn't look like the person I love. Why are their eyes open like that? Why aren't they looking at me? Why are they breathing like that? Mm. They automatically go to suffering that they must be suffering. What are they thinking in there? You know? And I just, uh, well, one, I believe that they are, the consciousness is gone, but two bodies like that are like babies. And you know, cause you have a baby. So like babies can't tell you what's wrong, but they will show you. They'll cry. They'll moan. They'll be fussy. They'll be rolling around. They won't, you know, and a, a body will do that too. If they're not okay. That's how you know if your loved one's okay because they're just, they might look a little different, but they are just laying there and looks like they're sleeping. But if they're not laying there. So you're saying like it almost leaves before they technically physically pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Uh -huh. That's interesting. Again, like that's, that's not, this is not a science. I, I, we don't need it all to be science. I'm just, that part, that part I have no idea. But I think they are gone. Yeah, and I understand. We don't need it all to be science. So I sometimes I just want to talk to you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, went to um, my friends were morticians and so I went to the their mortuary morgue thing and went into the freezer where all they all the bodies are and you know it's about about 50 of them and I looked at them all and it was like it was so interesting to me I was like you they look porcelain to me they don't look like humans and I'm like whatever it is that's left them that is no longer is the thing that is innately human and it's the way I can look you in the eye and know that you're a human being they didn't have and i couldn't really explain it other than like how absent porcelain yes. like mannequin like they were but i was like i i think i believe in us in souls i think that's what's gone you can feel it in a dying person's room so like that's why people say like, oh, isn't it so sad? Um, of course, that's okay if it is so sad. But like technically as a hospice nurse, like I don't necessarily feel sad because what it feels like is sacred. Mm. When the person is actively dying, I don't really feel like they're there, but their body is still like going through this sacred process of dying and truly taking care of itself and biologically shutting down 
doing things metabolically to shut your body down, like all of this cool stuff to help you have a peaceful death. And then when you take that last breath, the room changes, the room changes. It's just this, there's a shift and it's not good or bad. It just is right. And it's undeniable to me. I mean, it's like, it's the most, I don't know. It's like watching a baby being born. I, I cry a little more when I watch babies being born, but it's going like to say that. that it's like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're finding all these, all these ways in which it's similar yeah. death and birth. It's it's they're similar. They kind of like relax and the body takes care of you. Have a crack at explaining, just have a shot at explaining what that change is that you mentioned that thing. What is that? Yeah. Um, well, I know what it, fe- it feels like. It feels like, um, well, to me, what it feels like for me is like, I just witnessed something like beyond me, like, like what life is, what this world is. I was, I did a video about that where I saw my friend's baby for the first time. And I was like looking at his baby and being like, where were you baby? You're so like, this baby is so close to, to me, a place that like I once remembered. Like this baby just seems like on the wings of angels or something, right? And that's also how it feels when you're watching someone die. To me, the last breath is like, they are on the wings of angels. And this is like, I can get chills thinking about it. It's like, it brings everything together (laughs) and the purpose of of, uh, why we're here or not to die, but just like, it's just sort of like that, that moment that like stands, time stands still. And you're just in this absence of like, ah, that's the best way I could describe it. <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah, that was, <laughs> that was, that was incredible. <laughs> and I don't have, have any words to describe what you just said, but, but, but yes, I, um, I want to talk about your workplace because I'm fascinated. Like, well, for instance, like do your work colleagues feel the same way that you do about death? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Like, do you guys, yeah. So you're all on the same page about it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, actually, I guess I haven't talked to each and every one of them, but for the most part, yes. Um, Mm. I will say like the way I can be a good nurse is by having really good boundaries and really good work-life balance. So just for any nurses listening, that is how I like nursing. I work per diem. So it means I make my own schedule. I come and go kind of as I please. I work almost full-time, but then I take some time off. So that really helps me have this really good work-life balance. And I keep myself really separate from work in general. But I do talk to my colleagues and we're friends. And and yes, most hospice workers are on the same page. You don't really find like a calloused hospice worker. You know, you know they're usually like there for yeah. a reason. Yeah. Like, and, 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 you know, would you say that the other people that you work with or your colleagues would have that same feeling that when, when death happens, that little sacred moment? Do you think you all believe that? I can't say for sure, but I know if, I know some do. Yeah. I'm sure there's some that I'm sure there are some that this is just a job, right? I think that's uh-huh. you can't really be a nurse and be like that, but there are some nurses that are like that. No judgment, but um so I guess I haven't like went around to every one of my nurses and and or my nurses, every every nurse I work with. Yeah. Uh, and asked. But I do, I mean, I'm friends with several of them and and we do think the same, yeah. And is and then what about like? Do you know the show Scrubs? Kind of. I didn't watch it that much. But. Yeah, I, I I don't I didn't really know it either. But it was a you know very single cam comedy about about a hospital. And a friend of mine who was a doctor said that is what it's like to work in a hospital. That's how fun it can be to work there, and how silly we are together. But you don't ever get to see it. I'm wondering yes. in a hospice. Do you feel that same way? Is it just like going to work and having you guys have fun together, crack jokes? Like, yes, yes, definitely tons of like dark ass death jokes. And <laughs> we definitely don't take things super serious. Only every once in a while, like a couple of weeks ago, I had a really, really tough week where I actually had to take like a mental health day because I was like, I cannot do this. Yeah. This is re- never, I mean, really, in my five years of doing hospice, I, 
most of the time we're laughing and joking and making death jokes and like funny and just talking about other things and not mm-hmm. even talking about our work. Yeah. Um, except for last week. So for the most part, uh, we're all joking and laughing and being fun everyone, but we also know when to like support each other when there's like a really hard family, not every family is great, you know, yeah, <laughs> and they're going no through a really hard time. Yeah. And, uh, we're all trying to support each other. Cause like the family sucks or it's a weird dynamic or whatever it is, you know, yep. or the patient's awful. There's definitely been like mean patients. Um, so it just depends, but nursing in general at working in a hospital or in hospice is fun. Nurses have like really great sense of humor. Doctors are usually really great. It's great. Yep. Um, and so if you don't mind me asking, um, that the difficult week that you had, what was like, was it work-wise difficult? Was it personal difficult? No, it was work. It was work. And like, also like the world. I mean, I think the Buffalo shooting had just happened. And not Mm. to at all make that like about me, but just, you know, it's just like hard when you're like, what the fuck is wrong with this world? Right. Um, So that happened. You're not making it about you. I know, but like, I'm having a hard time because of the Buffalo. I don't know. I just feel. You're allowed. (laughs) Yeah. Why why wouldn't you be allowed? Yeah. Yeah. You're allowed to have a hard time with the world. Yeah. So then that was even before what just happened. But um, so I think that was like heavy on me. And then in California, we have, uh, which this is, I'm glad you brought this up because I want everyone to know this. In California, we have the death with dignity law. So one of the 10 states that you can end your own life Mm. if you have a terminal illness and meet criteria. And our agency that I work for is really involved in that. And we do it a lot, which I love and respect. And I think it's an amazing program and I could go on and on. So I had a patient that was taking the death with dignity drugs, meaning he was going to end his own life in the next couple of days. So I had like, I've seen this a bunch and have had patients take it a bunch, but I haven't had one that I was like, they wanted to meet me beforehand and have a family meeting and like really meet the person and then like hang out with them and then be the nurse that's there before he takes it. And then after he takes it, then, so it was just like this, it was just this, it was really hard not to, to have boundaries. It was like, I loved the guy. We had tons in common. He was super funny, super awesome. His family was freaking amazing. And it just sucked that he had to, I mean, I'm glad he could take this medicine and end his own life, but it's, it was just weird. It was, it would just hit me harder than normal that like, here's this like pretty vibrant guy who's young and I'm going to be here. He wants me to be here. He had like, that's an honor. Like, would you stay here and be with my family while I drink this? So they're okay after I'm, because what you do is you drink this medicine. You don't die right away. You fall right. asleep and you look like you're dead, but you're not dead. So you're going through all the actively dying stages, which I know as a hospice nurse, what they look like, but families are kind of like, what the hell is that? You know, like, mm-hmm. why is he breathing like that? Why does yeah. he look like that? Why is this? Why is this? So I was there for the whole process, which I'm honored to do and happy to do slash for some reason it hit me harder than normal. And I think it's just because I had like really was there beginning, middle, end. And it was just hard. <laughs> it was just really heavy. Yeah. Even now I'm not in touch with that. I can tell like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like, Oop. usually I'm really good at like separating myself from those things. Right. And I can tell I'm back in the separation mode, which is good because it keeps me well mm-hmm. <laughs> in my mind. Right. Um, but, but if you didn't week, slip like, up, I you wouldn't be human. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So that week I was, had a really rough time and I was crying all the time and I just had to take off work a couple of days. I was like, I can't go back to doing this. I needed time. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. Um, is it called euthanasia or do we not call it that? No, we don't call it that. We call it um, end of life medication or death with dignity. Got it. And the biggest difference between like, um, in America and like Canada, Canada, you can have it and you can get an IV place and a doctor or a nurse. I'm not sure who, I don't actually know enough about the Canada thing, but the main difference is that they, they, they push the drug and actually inject you and you die here. And you say, sorry, yeah. as you die. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> you know, what was so funny. Oh my God. This is, this was the talk about funny. The guy that I watched take the end of life medicine his his husband or boyfriend or i'm not sure if they were married but mm-hmm. literally like he drank it and as a joke his husband or boyfriend goes 
Bye. (laughs) (laughs) That is amazing. (laughs) He was just like, bye. Like, oh my God, dude, he really is dying. Like, I don't know. That's like the last thing he said. Oh shit. I was like, oh my God, these guys. And did everyone like, did did the whole room like laugh? Yes, we all laughed. He laughed. I was like, shit. Oh my God. (sighs) Yeah. So we as Americans, or fucking as American citizens, uh, like in the 10 states that allow it, the person has to drink it themselves. So we can't inject them with anything. So we can just be there like, as a witness. Like I wasn't even allowed to like mix the medication. I just had to be there as a witness. So it's a little more strict here, but. Got it. And then, and then what are the, uh, what are the situations that you find yourself in that you are allowed to take the death with dignity, the end of life medicine? So you have to have a terminal diagnosis of less than six months to live. So some doctor has to say, that's you. That's what you have. Mm -hmm. Then two different doctors. And I'm not like super well-versed. And there's very, there's tons of stipulations. So like it's complicated But in general, uh, two different doctors that can say that you are mentally well and like can make your own choices. So you're able to make your own choices and that you're able to, in some form, take the medication yourself. So people with like dementia, right? Like they won't be, by the time they have less than six months to live, they aren't mentally able to say, yes, we can take this medication. So like they don't qualify. Right. Right. So it's mostly, terminal cancers. Um, it's mostly terminal cancers. There are definitely other diseases in certain ways to get around stuff, but it's mostly terminal cancers. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I saw somebody cause you posted about it the other day and somebody was like, you're a murderer for giving him the thing. But the other thing is like, yeah. he drank it himself. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> that night I was feisty. Normally I could care less for real. I don't care what, like, I'm just like, oh gosh, you're probably like a 17 year old just trying to make everyone mad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I was like feisty that night. I didn't care. The, you, yeah, just and to clarify really for everyone, you're talking about that night on TikTok, not the night that you gave the medicine yeah, to the guy. the night on TikTok. Oh yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> the night on TikTok. Yes. Feisty, the night on TikTok. Not the other night. No. <laughs> um. If you don't mind, I would like to talk to you about your dating life because you post about it. The other night you posted a thing about going on a date with a guy who mentioned that he'd seen you wear that dress before and you'd worn the dress online. What was that about? Luke, help me. Help me, please. I will. I so will. I this never is, this normally... is better than online dating. We are getting your name and face out to right? many, many people. Julie McFadden. Yeah. I'm 39. Look at the hair. I look at my hair. Come on. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um... <laughs> Apparently I wear, okay. So I'd never normally do that, but I was like, I was so flabbergasted by this dude that I was like, I'm just going to tell the whole freaking world screw off. And it went viral. Ha. And the sun picked it up in the UK. So now there's an article about it. Anyway, whatever. But he mentioned, he he said, tell me about the dress thing. He said that he'd seen you wear the dress before. So in not even a profile picture, you know how sometimes, and sometimes people will say like, can you send me more pictures? Because they're afraid that like, you don't look like yourself. I will never send selfies. I'm not a selfie sender. I think I just don't mm. want to, anyone who's like, send me selfies. I'm like, no, you're weird. But he didn't say that. He was like, yeah. just send me more pictures, you know, like, and just to like verify. I don't really care. Fine. So I sent him more pictures yeah. of me at a wedding or whatever. Right. And we had talked on the phone he was super personable, very well. Like he could talk, like we both hit it off. It was great. It was a great conversation. He texted me throughout the week because we were both busy. So we couldn't see each other for like a week. Normal texter, like both seeming very normal. <laughs> and Got it. then the second I saw him, the look on his face was like, like a regular date. You like smile at each other. Hi, nice to meet yeah. you. Da, da, da. Yeah. He was like stone cold Steve Austin. Like, and the first thing he said was, I've, I've seen you in that dress before or something like that. Like, I, and I was like, yeah, I'm friendly as hell, dude. Like you cannot not like, I'm instantly like, Oh, <laughs> like making a joke about it. Like, why would that matter? Right. So I'm just like, Oh yeah, we're yes. to a wedding, blah, 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 whatever. And just from there, just from there, like it was nonstop, like, um, awkwardness, like him being like, 
Oh my goodness. Like clearly, just like clearly like um cold standoffish. Oh God, what are we what am I gonna do? Just and I was kind of like, okay, yeah. like trying to make this not better at all. Like I, I didn't really care, but it was just like, okay, well, we're we still have to like kind of go on this date. But after like 15 minutes, I was like, no, I don't. I don't need to sit here and let this guy fucking be rude to me. And on top of that, if you're not into me, dude, no problem. Like I'm a 39 year old woman who like does yeah. not care. I don't even know if I'm into you. Let's just both say that. Like, let, like you could, you can clearly be like, yeah, I don't think you look the way you look or, or I don't like, I don't know what he wanted. I don't know what, but so I said it, I just said, Hey, I don't think this is really working for me. Like, let's not even, let's not even get dinner. Let's not get like, we just had, we just had drinks. So I was like, let's just call it a night. You know, it was nice. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. It clearly isn't working. And he was shocked. What? What? <laughs> what do you mean it's not working? And I like mind blown. Like, are you fucking kidding me, bro? What do I mean? It's not working. You're, you just told me uh-huh. minutes before he told me, let's just not talk for two minutes. <sighs> Meanwhile, what? Yes, Luke. And look at each other in the eyes? No. Like, first off, I wasn't even being like Gabby, Gabby, Gabby. I was barely keeping it. I was barely making conversation right. either. We were sitting at the bar and I was kind of like, okay, awkward. Like, I wasn't like chatty Kathy over here. I said a yeah. couple things and then he goes, how about we just not talk for a couple minutes? Can you do that? And I was just like. That's odd. So fucking weird. And yeah, I was just like. Yeah, I I cannot do that. I don't need to fucking talk to you. Well, some people some people have their online and in phone personalities, and and they're like good and charismatic. Like you know those people who are really funny commenters, but then you meet them and you're like, you're not funny at all. Yeah, <laughs> and that can be him. You know, maybe he's a personable guy over the phone. phone. In person, happens to really matter, mate. Yeah, you know, and if you show up and you're a cold twerp then F you. I know. It was very strange. I have never had that experience before where like he was so rude because people were like, maybe, mm. maybe he has a problem. Maybe he ha- he's on the spectrum. I'm like, no, this guy was just, a, this guy was just rude, which was why right. I left, which was why I was so happy. I just left. I was like, see you later. You should have told him, listen, I'm a hospice nurse and you're in the fourth stage of dying. I can tell. <laughs> yeah. You only have days to live. Days Goodbye. No, I what are you what are you looking for in a man though, Julie? Like what are you looking for? Um I do have a type. I mean, I'm tall. I'm five eight, so I like tall, but I don't need mm-hmm. tall. As long as you give me tall energy, I'm here for Yeah. It. I like um more alpha-ish. Like it's it's hard because I really do like kind of like a man's man, but then I'm really mm-hmm. liberal. I'm really progressive. Like I live in Los Angeles. So it's kind of hard to find a man's man who's not conservative to be. I haven't found that. Right. Uh, like you want him to be a man's man, but not necessarily a, like a, a hunter. They can be a hunter. If like they still, well, they can be a hunter, but like not an, a fanatical hunter who wears camo. Hunter. You know what I mean? Yes, 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 yes. Like someone who like wants equal rights and like, <laughs> you know, all the, Loving things, whatever. I could go on and on, but right. Yeah, so he's like, a he's a sensitive guy, but also has a he has a broad set of shoulders. And yes. if 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 something goes wrong right in front of him, he's quick to stand up and lend a helping hand. Yes, yes, and a funny kind of like I, someone who wants to take charge. That's like a big thing. So taking charge, like I don't want to be like the one being like in charge. I want someone mm, else yeah. to be in charge, and I can kind of like help out. And I could see that you could be the type of person who, who can be in charge yes. too. So you need a guy who's willing to go, Hey, I've got this. Yes. You're okay. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Cause I'm, I have, a, I'm, I'm strong and independent and used to being alone. So or not alone, right. but not in a relationship. It's been, I've been single for sure. four years. So in general, I want someone who's um, like that and more. And, mm-hmm. and you deserve it. Cause here's the thing about you. You're, bubbly, fantastic, you're deep. I I just think that there's a wisdom that comes with the work that you do that is you can't buy that. I remember that I, I, this kind of might, might be a bit of a crass illustration, but I remember I dated a, a woman who when I first met her, 
she was kind of like all over the place and I, we weren't, in, we weren't into each other. And then when we met up a few years later, she had gone through cancer and I was like, this is a new person in front of me. She'd been through this kind of death scare and then wow. we dated. And I think that you have that, like it's this wisdom that only people that who have come into face to face with death can have. And it's very attractive. And on top of that, you're bubbly which is, I think, a wisdom that comes with that again. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So we need to get you out there and into the world. Julie is in Los Angeles. She's mentioned her age. She's mentioned what she does. You've gotten a taste of how wonderful and fun <laughs> she is. Boys, go at it. Men, no fanatical hunters. No fanatical though. hunters. Look at my hair. Look and, at you know, liberal but so not awkward. too liberal. I don't know. I'm pretty liberal. But... Look at that hair, though. <laughs> I mean, Pantene, Pantene Pro V. Where are you at? Main and like, tail. Where's my <laughs> the main and tail? Right. Uh, Julie, how can we find you and support you? Like on what medium? I am across the board on all of the mediums mm-hmm. at Hospice Nurse Julie. My main place is TikTok, um, Hospice Nurse Julie, but also Instagram, mm-hmm. Facebook, YouTube, Hospice Nurse Julie. I'm out there. Excellent. It's been fun. It's been fun. Good for you. Somebody said, does she get ho spice? Ho spice, Ju- Julie? Do you get that a lot? I've never thought it. <laughs> Hospice, <laughs> ho spice. Moment. Ho spice. I'll take it. Hey. That could be a like a when you make a you should make a group account with all of your nursing buddies who are in hospice care and be the ho spice girls. And just get the host spice girls. Yep. Mm-hmm. That could be my alter ego when I go on dates. No, just kidding. <laughs> host spice. What's your name? Host don't, spice. don't do it, Julie. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Hey, um, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I hope we get to do it again sometime. Um, I've just thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and, uh, yeah, thank you for your time.